0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Benjamin Siegel filling in on this Friday morning for my father, who is on his way back from the Holy Land, from Israel, straight off the Jewish Unity Initiative Part 2, or Part 3, if you include Houston and France. Um, It was an amazing string of shows this week, and my father will be here today uh, to share all that with you and to bring you the weekly update later on in the show I am Benjamin Siegel, and welcome to *Jam in the AM*. Yeah. The Maccabees, and naturally Seven, with their song, with their single put out uh, last month, a great song. Um, Before that, you heard Madula from Oad Moskowitz, who joined JM and the AM while they were in Israel on the first day, while they were overlooking the Kotel. Everyone should definitely check it out. It was an unbelievable show, and his voice standing over... Looking over Harabai, it was just unbelievable, the heart that he sang with that day. I've listened to it now maybe three, four times, and I can't get enough. Um, and I hope to continue to listen to it. It was really, really good. Before that, we heard Hine Kel off the Shal Shellis Connections album featuring Shlomo Katz, trying to highlight all the people that were involved in the Jewish Unity initiative initiative while they were in Israel this week um, for that Yalav And uh, Yismach Melech we opened up with after Modani this morning. By Shlomo Katz, um, who was with Jamin the Am yesterday while they were in the Gush region, and they did an unbelievable show there um, with uh, a, a highlighted interview from Chayal Ohad, as he's being re- referred to now in the vernacular. Chayal Ohad, um, everyone should uh, should hear his interview from yesterday. Uh, not now, of course. We're in the middle of and the Am. It's 17 degrees outside. It is freezing. It is freezing. Make sure to bundle up. The weather reports are all saying it's going to get colder. So please, please bundle up. Uh, make sure that you are warm. Make sure that you have your hats, gloves, and scarves before you go out this morning. When I went out, uh, it was a biting cold. So uh, make sure to stay warm over Shabbos. Uh, candle lighting tonight is 5.09 p.m. Check your local times at 5.09 P.M. tonight is candlelighting in Jerusalem. It's 61 degrees, um, and I do have word that uh, my father has landed, uh, thank God, and uh, will be on his way shortly to the studio, because today we have the weekly update coming as Malcolm presents live from Israel. And the only one we haven't played yet who was involved in the Jewish Unity Initiative that was there live was the unbelievable Uziat Sadok, who everyone right now is going crazy for, he is unbelievable, really uh, an amazing prodigy, amazing talent, and he was with them on Wednesday, when uh, Jamie was live in Tel Aviv, here is Uzia Sadok.
1: We're all alone, alone, alone. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? We're My God, my God,
0: That was Shlomo Katz with Vieda off his liquor Shabbos album. Before that, we heard Shlomo Katz again with Nigan of the Birds off his brand new album, Yismach Melch, an unbelievable album, really, really enjoyable. Everyone should listen to it. Before that, we had a request. Well, actually, we had Eitan Katz. We were playing a lot of the Katz brothers this morning, getting in to the Shabbos spirit. We had him with Asha Schayel. And then, before that, Just One Shabbos by Mordechai Ben David. We had that on request. Uh, we did get to Uzi Atzadok, despite a slight technical glitch, which I apologize for. We did hear Uzi Atzadok's Atalolavad, which was unbelievable, beautiful song. And again, if you didn't hear him on uh, Wednesday morning, you must go back and listen to the archives. After, at some point uh, today in your Shabbos, he is unbelievable. He was with uh, he was with the network in France during their concert. He was unbelievable there, and uh, he was really unbelievable here um, and before that we heard Malchutcha by Oad Moskowitz also a wonderful wonderful selection uh, we do have word that my father has landed and that he is on the way to the studio so hopefully he will be here soon uh, we will hand the microphone back over to him again to remind you uh, that candle lighting tonight is 5.09pm And, um, everyone should make sure that they stay warm over Shabbos. They say it's supposed to be cold and it's only getting colder outside. So make sure that your Shabbos is warm, even though it might be cold outside. Uh, Please bundle up, wear your gloves and scarves and hats, and all your other winter accessories to make sure that you stay warm. We have the, uh, news from Israel coming up in a minute, but first... This is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener sponsor WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sony and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, and heard around the world on the web at jmintheam.org. Make sure to stay tuned today to the Nachum Siegel Network app, and to jaminame.org, and to nachomsegel.com, all those great platforms Will you hear the same amazing music, the Arab Shabbos mix. Make sure to tune into that to hear some great Arab Shabbos music throughout the day today. Um, again, the Nachom Siegel Network is returning from an unbelievable trip to Israel from the Jewish Unity Initiative, and here is the news from Israel, the 2 p.m. broadcast on Gali Sah. ثبوت אטרו لو با لابدور כדי غورمين יורא להעביר את دوموت و حين لا تر امصאים شيما متكون هايش لخورا لبця اتممو
2: الفلسطينيين اترو لبيت المشפט العليون كدي شزي يوري لاوير تا اسير شوبت الرعب محمد الكيك
1: 80 יום. בית המשפט אבל המדינה מתעקשת לאותירו בבית החולים. בעתירה שהגיש מועדון העשיר הפלסטיני, דרשות הרשויות בישראל לאפשר לו להתאשפס בבית חולים ברמלה. על קיק בין 33 שותה מים בלבד ומסרב לקבל טיפול. מקורביו אומרים כי הוא עלול למות בכל רגע.
2: בנקבת השילוח בירושלים נקבע מותו של אדם שהתמוטט בעת שטייל במקום. כתבנו רום ליאור".
3: צוותי החילוץ שהוזקו למקום לאחר שקיבלו דיווח על אדם שהתמוטט ואיבד את הכרתו, נאלצו לקבוע את מותו במקום. בשעה זו נעשים מאמצים לחלץ אותו מהמסלול. בגלל
1: שמדובר במסלול בים צר וצפוף במיוחד, הגיעו למקום גם צוותי קבעות והצלה, המומחים בחילוץ.
2: <חילוץ> בית משפט השלום בחיפה הורה לשחרר תושב אטליט שפצע קשה את קרוב משפחתו, ככל הנראה בשל משחק בנשק, כתבנו קובי מנדל.
1: על פי יחשת תושב אטליט בין החמישים שיחק בקדחו האישי המוחזק בראשון של בן משפחתו, בית ששניים בילו אמש בבית קפה באטליט. כתוצאה מכך נפלט כדור שפגע בבעליי אקדח, הוא מאושפז כעת במצב קשה בבית החולים רמבם. הציג המשטרה טען, כי נפדל קיים קדמה לאירוע התגרות מצדן נפגע. ואולם בית המשפט קיבל לטענת עורך הדין יובל זמר, והורה על שחרורו של החשוד למעצר בית עד ליום ראשון
2: ארגון הבריאות העולמי אומר כי חיסון נגד נגיף הזיקה צפוי רק בעוד כשנה וחצי, כתבתנו תמר פלד.
4: זמן רב נחשד כי נגיף הזיקה המועבר בהקיצת יטוף גורם למיקרוצפליה בקרב עוברים שאימם נדבקה בנגיף ולתסמונת גיאן ברה בקרב נדבקים בוגרים. אולם כעת לאחר שקצף ההידבקות עלה בארגון הבריאות העולמי סבורים שיוכלו לאסוף די נתונים להוכחת הקשר בין הנגיף למומים. בנוסף הודיע ארגון כי
5: רק בעוד שנה וחצי התחילו הניסוי מקליניים בבני אדם וניסיון למצוא תרופה לנגיף הזיקה.
2: התחזית מחר תורגש עלייה בטמפרטורות בראשון ובשני אוסיף להתחמם ויהיה חם מהרגיל בעונה. אלה החדשות שערך עומרי רחמימוב ביצוע טכני סגיגה ביי.
3: I'm forget
0: That was Hashi Venu by Yehuda Green uh, that you just heard on this Erev Shabbos Friday at 725 on this Friday morning. Do have word that my father will be coming in shortly. There is amazing programming though today coming up after J.M. and the AIM is Table for Two with Naomi Nachman. Uh, That's from 9 to 10 this morning, featuring supersized edition of Table for Two from Jerusalem's Machine Yehuda with tour guide Joel Haber. After that, we have the NSN Erev Shabbos Music Mix, sponsored by Kedem. From 10 a.m. this morning all the way until candlelighting, you do not want to miss it. We have a great selection of Shabbos music coming up for you all day today. On J.M. Sunday, we have with Matis, starting at 7 a.m. Sunday morning. He will be interviewing Aryeh Eisenberg, the CEO and general manager of Bonim Biyachad, which is uh, an amazing program. You'll hear more about that on Sunday morning, where they are working together with Jewish day schools and organizations to create the ideal online learning programs. Uh, as you know, this week was the Great Jewish Unity Initiative in Israel, um, the Nahum Segal Network Jewish Unity Initiative taken to Israel. Um, and I was thinking how each day as uh, they progressed i had the privilege of hearing some some shows multiple times i've i listened to uh, different parts of it uh and it reminded me a little bit of the pesach seder where you would sit on Mon- on on tuesday when we listened to the first show and you said wow if they were only uh if they were only at the, the har looking over har listening to all Moskowitz would sing and doing a show from icha Torah, that would have been enough but then it wasn't enough because on tuesday because on wednesday excuse me they decided to go to taravid at uh, the site of uh, of what was recently a, a Jewish tragedy, uh, and they turned it into a a place of Jewish life where the Jewish Unity Initiative had Uzi uh, et Tzadok sing on the streets of Tel Aviv, and if you see the pictures on the Nachum Siegel Facebook page, which you should look up, um, singing uh, with his unbelievably beautiful voice, uh, that would have been enough. But then, on Thursday, when they went to the Gush and they spoke to the And they had uh, Shlomo Katz there singing as uh, we were waking up in the morning with his uh, beautiful songs. And then they had, of course, the highlight of what everyone is saying about the highlight of this trip was the uh, Chayal Ohad. Uh, If you hear the work that he's doing, a 22-year-old soldier, uh, if you hear the work that he is doing there uh, to protect us, and as my father kept saying while he was in Israel, to protect the the entire Jewish people, no matter where they were in the world, uh, it is incredibly impressive, and everyone should make sure at some point over the next few days to hear, to go to the archives, to listen to that interview, to listen to the shows. It's nine hours of unbelievable programming mixed in with uh, Miriam Wallach's uh, That's Life and other shows that, were, that had correspondence from Israel. Make sure to hear those shows because they were really inspiring and unbelievable. Again, today, candle lighting is at 5.09 p.m. The current temperature here in Jersey City is 17 degrees. Make sure to bundle up and stay warm. Uh, make sure to get out those scarves, hats, and gloves um, to wear on Shabbos because uh, we want to make sure that everyone is safe out there and uh, make sure that you are warm. And uh, here is one of my favorite selections off the y Studs CD, How Are You?
6: In the AM, <laughs> there we go. Good morning, and welcome to ninety-one point one FM, ninety point one FM in the Catskills, Rockland County, at ninety-one point nine in the FM dial. My name is Nahum Siegel. I thank Benjamin Siegel for sitting in uh, over the last uh, couple of hours. Actually, we are hoping we're actually making a uh, pretty strong effort to uh, have. Uh, Malcolm Homeline join us and get in some type of segment of the weekly update. That was one of the reasons that we, uh, frankly, rushed back from uh, <laughs> rushed back from uh, Israel and from the airport in order to get this segment uh, on the air, which is such a an important one and a popular one here with our listeners. So we are hoping that we'll be able to uh, hear from Malcolm for at least a few minutes between now and 8:15. And get some of that on the radio for you here at the JM in the AM. <clears throat> uh, back from uh, what has been an unbelievable week. A Jewish unity initiative, uh, this time heading to Israel, where better. Uh, we know there are places that need, need our outreach and need our care and our concern, our brotherhood and our sisterhood and our solidarity, but boy... When you're able to convey that message in Israel, it's something amazing, something incredible. And this week, with a unique concept, uh, we went, and with the incredible encouragement of Mr. Abe Banda, everybody at Pomegranate,
1: Classy, dogs, not, fire, I can't a a ninety years. I I Shabba
3: bani mira
1: wa ri,
6: And I interrupted myself with some music because uh, Malcolm Holine was able to. Um, uh, we were able to connect rather with Malcolm, and we'll get to him in just a second. It is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. listen listeners, sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at ninety-one point nine on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sony and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, O R G. Big thank you to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically. Recommend our incredible live stream at jmnam.org to all of their readers. Thank you, jewishworldreview.com. You can print out thousands of articles before Shabbos to read about what's happening in this world of ours. And a big shout-out to our friends at onlysimclas.com for highlighting some of the great material from the Jewish Unity Initiative and our visit to Israel, which just ended what seems like minutes ago. And um, we thank everybody there at onlysimclas.com as well. Uh, as I was saying, and uh, we'll get to our weekly update in a second, as I was saying, an incredible Jewish unity initiative, which took us to Jerusalem, took us to Tel Aviv, and took us to the Gush, and uh, was able to convey a message of brotherhood and solidarity, and was able to remind everybody here about the importance and the value of tourism to Israel as often as possible. Malcolm honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, and ironically is now in Jerusalem himself, and joins us for the weekly update. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM.
7: Thanks, and uh, I guess you can be welcome back. (laughs) A little late, but back.
6: (laughs) I'll tell you. to talk to you. It's crazy. We wanted to make sure to get back to at least get part of this segment on and uh, speak about this incredible journey you've been on, which is now in the Holy Land. Start from the beginning with us. And I don't mind if this takes up most of the weekly update, frankly, because it's so important and so vital, as you've described in the past start where the conference delegation began and then we'll continue from there.
7: Well, as you know, I was here last week, uh, I was in Israel, but the delegation um, met in Turkey on Sunday evening, Monday morning we began uh, our adventure and I must say that it you know, I we do it every year before our uh, annual leadership mission in Israel. We go to another country of significance. This year we went to two countries after extensive consultation about where we could really make a difference, where we could help both the local Jewish communities fostering ties to the United States and Israel and dealing with some of the and getting insights into the current issues. And the two places we went couldn't have been more insightful, more appropriate, more exhausting, uh, because we were Monday in Istanbul, Tuesday We were uh, mostly spending the time in Istanbul with the Jewish community, the American ambassador, other officials. On Tuesday, we went to Ankara, the capital, where we had a meeting, an extensive meeting, about an hour and a half with President Erdogan and then with Prime Minister Devakulu, and uh, came back very late at night in time, literally, just to pack our bags and switch to a flight to Cairo, where we spent the the first day in... um, in, with extensive consultations and briefings uh, with uh, mostly intelligence and other and related areas, and then we went. Uh, the second day, we met with President Sisi for two hours of one of the most impressive and, and significant exchanges in, in a long time. Both actually were a, got, got immense coverage, not because we put it out, but because both leaders put out pictures with of the meetings. And the Muslim Brotherhood obviously is already reacting to it negatively. Yeah, boy. But the uh, the substance of these talks was really remarkable, and the changes in the region that you and I talk about each week uh, have uh, had such a significant impact, a broader impact than we normally imagine, and perhaps driving to fundamental changes and shifts. Uh, President Erdogan. Whom we've not met with several for several years because of the positions he took, the Mabi Marmara incident, some of the other things, his his, uh, attitude to to public statements about Israel. Um, So this was the first time in many years, and I have to say that uh, it was a positive uh, uh, presentation on his part. He outlined the concerns, the issues. We responded directly and strongly to it. We engaged in a lengthy a dialogue about the significant issues. We got some commitments. He laid out what he sees as some of the, the um, uh, uh, an eight point plan for resuming relations with Israel, basically about services to Gaza. Um, but there was an openness and, 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 in, and he indicated that he hopes the talks will lead to, to the betterment of relations and resumption of the, the ties uh we you know, obviously had uh, issues over which there were differences but also some significant uh discussion on humanitarian issues which we are very hopeful about now
6: th- this is uh you know again for those who have been following not just us but the news in general over the last 5 years th- this is it's baffling it's it it's, the fact that the meeting was even scheduled and what sounds like enthusiastically approached by both sides you know, the, the Erdogan-Israel or Erdogan-Jewish um, component has been very difficult to to understand over the last few years.
7: Absolutely right. And you made an important distinction, which he does also. He says, you know, that the criticism of Israeli policies is not a criticism of Jews, and went on to cite about the Hanukkah lighting. You know, they did a public menorah lighting in Istanbul and although he didn't attend, he did talk about going to the synagogue in Istanbul to be an aide, a witness at a Jewish wedding there, which had to do more with some local interplay, but uh, but on a very friendly basis. And the Jewish community there, uh, again, that's always a primary uh, agenda item for us, is to show solidarity and support. And we had lengthy discussions with them about their situation, but they attended the meeting with us, and it was very sanitary. And, and uh, the comments about the ties to the Jewish community and reaffirming and about fighting anti-Semitism, and he talked about it as a a war crime, anti-Semitism, and Islamophobia, uh, this President Erdogan. Uh, So while, again, we have differences, and uh, the the fact that you have the Russians in the region, the Iranians post-deal, the flood, flood of immigrants, you know, and refugees, as they're called, the... Uh, the situation in Syria, the Iran, Saudi Arabia standoff, and many other things all are playing out now in very interesting ways that create new opportunities for Israel. And Israel is seen in a different way, certainly in Egypt where we couldn't have heard a more positive presentation for an hour where President Sisi put aside his prepared remarks and just spoke. (laughs) It was incredible, and in both cases... They've never done big meetings like this. We brought 35 people with us, and in both cases, in the end, after telling us that that it's very hard to get a meeting with the president, and he doesn't do either. Both of them don't do it very often, and certainly not with a big group. They'll take two, they'll take four. Wanted them sent a message by receiving the whole group and and treating us and dealing with us at at a level uh, like a presidential meeting. I said not send all a, the ministers. Nineteen of them there in Turkey in in uh, Egypt. The same with uh, all of the trappings, but that's not what is significant. It was the substance that you rarely see in, the case, in, in these exchanges.
6: All right, so not to be too cynical, and understanding that the you know that the, that the political picture, the political spectrum, is always key to all of this. If one were to ask you, frankly, why is the answer that they simply need Israel? That Turkey and Egypt are just two of the countries that know down the road. They're going to have to have some type of cordial or better relationship with Israel in order to survive the future of the Middle East.
7: So I think the answer is a, a, a multi one. One is that it's, it's their relations with the United States are strained in most cases or they feel the United States is disengaging and see us as people who play a key role in the United States. So that I think is one of the key factors is the, and, and the US role. Second is um, that they see Israel as important, that Israel is a source of stability in the region and playing a key role because they all face the war on terrorism. And Israel has a lot to offer. And and the borders are becoming less and less significant in terms of the cross-border involvement of terrorist uh, organizations. But I think you also... In the question implicit uh, are some other factors which are important in, in determining whether there is a shift. Nobody knows what tomorrow brings. everything can change in the blink of an eye in this region as generally in, in politics, but you know there could be a coup there could be uh um, you know overthrows there can be revolutions there the a volcano here everybody that does is just going to continue uh the the Turks are fighting the p k k and and equate them with the uh Egyptians are fighting Hamas, and uh, compare them to ISIS, and ISIS active in Sinai also. So they, they're involved in the fight. Second, I think that Israel's coalescence with uh, Greece and Cyprus, and as you know, we were there just a few weeks ago, and then there was a three-way summit, and the cooperation is Mediterranean-focused. Is something others want in? The Egyptians told us that they not only look forward to being part of it. He said, "We are part of it. We are partners in it." And I think that that Erdogan looks at that and says, "Hey, there's going to be big energy flow. There are a lot of opportunities. You know, Israel's uh, hopefully going to be an exporter very soon." So this is uh, these are all uh, factors that play into it, and they're looking at their own interests about uh, what it is that um, you know what. Each of them can contribute with each of them benefits uh,
6: from it. It is. Un- I think y- they, you, yes. you you must have been sitting there in, in a way just not believing what was going on, that we've gotten to this point where uh, these countries are willing to negotiate, talk, you know, speak about the future that they could have in a Middle East where they recognize that Israel is going to be a major part of it.
7: And that is part of the... the thing is that the recognition of the permanence of Israel. Right, I think that that they have come or are coming to terms with it. But more than that, in the case of Egypt, the way they describe the cooperation and and the way we've heard it from Israeli leaders also, and even the personal level where where you know those engaged in let's say intelligence and security areas. Know the nicknames of every Israeli general and official. Many many of our people did not who they were referring to when they you know would refer to them by their uh, nicknames. Uh, so the level of intimacy and cooperation is certainly uh, a remarkable thing, and something you know as much as we read about it, you don't see it until you experience it. And and he put forward his country's interests, uh, President Sisi. He was right. talking about egypt's needs egypt's uh, the demands that they want to see tourism and they know that we can um, they want to see the united states more engaged here and and helpful to them and we certainly want to see that as well because it's it's egypt is still the most important arab country
6: did the issue of the yeah. tunnels uh, uh the tunnels uh hundred percent it came absolutely, it yes, came up both, huh? in both meetings As more there, in- turkey i'm sorry, I was going to say, just to remind the audience, as more and more are being discovered, and more and more very sophisticated ones are being discovered.
7: That is right. And the Egyptians, as you know, have taken really dramatic action in flooding them, closing them. Uh, There are increasing the cases of the tunnels collapsing. There were another two people killed uh, this week in the collapse of the tunnel, but 11 just in in the recent weeks, which means that they are very active. The Israelis are... Quickly responding to every report of drilling sounds and have not yet found evidence of uh, actual tunnels in those places, but clearly, no. And, and you know, the United States and Israel are undertaking joint research, each one putting up half the money to to detect tunnels, which will benefit the United States on our Mexican border or other places, and for Israel is really vital because we know what the intent is. And unfortunately, I have exchanges with President uh, Erdogan. You know, he he talked about the it, it, the Gazas being locked, the people are being locked in, et cetera, et cetera, and that the tunnels are an expression of that. And I explained to know. no, the tunnels are not tunnels for trade. You could say that, let's say, about the tunnels to Egypt because they were smuggling and, and doing illegal things through, but bringing in food goods. I said the tunnels to Israel have no commercial purpose; they're tunnels for terror, mm-hmm. not tunnels for trade. Yeah. and that the the there's no justification. Uh, for them, their only purpose is to carry out terror attacks, to kidnap soldiers, to kill people. You so meant- the tunnels figured sat very centrally in a lot of the discussions of, and,
6: and terrorism generally. You mentioned earlier the Muslim Brotherhood, and I, I assume you meant this directly. If not, then it could be assumed that they were that they were likely or were in fact against these meetings. They were uh, you know, they, they expressed their uh, uh, negative feelings about these meetings. anybody else uh, any uh, i don't know any u.n. representatives anybody from the united states anybody from middle eastern countries that you would have or would not have expected that reacted a certain way to these get-togethers that you had in turkey and egypt
7: well before we go we always consult with uh, the american government we talk about what the issues are we talk about how we can be most productive we talk to israelis we talk to other leaders in to assess how we can make the biggest difference in, in the, the meetings that we take, cause, you know, it's a big undertaking, it's a lot of work, and uh, we don't want to do it if it's not going to be productive. And so American officials uh, were aware, and the American ambassadors in both countries uh, were very receptive, reached out, um, and we were, we were in discussion with them before the trip and then uh, met during the trip. Uh, the American ambassador in uh, Ankara hosted us at his home, and um, uh, so the the support for the mission and and you know public diplomacy, citizen involvement is valued. It does it often can facilitate things that on a diplomatic level or when on a political level can't be done because they they have to stake their positions and they're focusing on you know what will the reaction in their media be. These meetings are close to the press. We talk seriously, and it was only they who who released both the pictures and the information about the meetings. That we went public
6: and discussed it. All right, understood. Malcolm Holine with us from Israel, shortened version, shortened version rather, of the weekly update. We have a couple of minutes left. Um, well, as you know, we were in Israel this week. Jewish Unity Initiative. Uh, we're reading in the newspapers now, or I should say online, and many of the from many of the news sources that um, uh, the the terror attacks are going back to the same level. Not that we expect it to be at any level or want it to be at any level, but pre escalation levels from a few months ago. I have to say, you know, when we spend time in a lot of different areas, I have to say that it, it is amazing, and I'm sure you feel the same way being there, that uh, the attention that's paid to all these random attacks, and I'm not minimizing them and minimizing the suffering of the Jewish people and of the specific families, uh, but it, 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 we, we, we just don't see. We just don't see over here the 99% of everything else, the daily life going on, the attitude of Israelis toward, uh, you know, toward, toward what is happening, toward what the present and future has to bring. I and mean, I'm sure you know what I mean. It's just such a different experience when you're there, mm-hmm. and you can bring this message back here.
7: And, and it is because, and, and true in every instance of terrorism, because the media is only focused on that corner where that bombing took place or that building. And it, it makes it seem like that is the total story, rather than here being there when you see that it, in its context, in its proportion, as terrible as it is and unacceptable acceptable as it is, but at least it is... It is in a perspective that has some proportionality to reality. As you said, you walk around in, in Yerushalayim, people are not afraid, people are going about their business. In Turkey, tourism has been decimated when 4.8 million Russians haven't come. You know, and this has, as we've talked often in the context of Israel, when tourism is hurt, it has psychological impact, it has economic impact. It as secondary and tertiary for those who supply those who make the goods for the hot hotels for the tourism industry yeah. and of course the the financial is is very serious so the uh, and the sense of isolation that it brings with it so no. tourism is a motivator that that people are looking to israelis to come the, the turks to to have the israelis come back to turkey and to uh help fill the void of, of the the massive numbers of Russians that have stopped coming and have switched to Greece and other countries, also true of some of the Europeans. So th- that is a critical factor. And here it's important for people to know that while these incidents take place, life is normal. There, there, there are no changes that have taken place here. People are walking around, going now, preparing for Shabbos, doing what they have to do. They, they are alert. They should be alert. They should be aware of the surroundings, but so should we be in New York. And I saw that there was another incident in New York, uh, unfortunately, with somebody being hit and it uh, appears to be a biased attack. Um, it, it, everywhere, Jews have to be alert and aware and and uh, take the necessary precautions. Yeah. But yeah. One yeah. of them is not to avoid coming to Israel. Yeah. It's that- imperative. It's more important now than ever. And the hotels are being hurt, and with a lot of the hotels going up, when people will want to come, and then they'll say to the hotel rooms, it's because you didn't come when, at times like this when you have to show support and you have to show them that we care and show the people of Israel that we'll be there.
6: Yeah, no question about it. We had uh, the mayor of Yushalayim on yesterday, and he was uh, <laughs> he was quoting statistics about how more likely one is to be attacked, God forbid, in New York than in Israel, and how Israel is the second or third, I don't remember the exact statistic uh You know, major Western cities in terms of safety. I mean, I believe me, I know that, you know, that, that people are apprehensive and, and certainly the media doesn't help in the way it's reported. But, uh, this has been one of our, uh, you know, one of our mantras over the last few days that uh, people have got to get to Israel as often as possible, as soon as possible, and really uh, do our part, uh, for the Israeli economy. It's so vital and there's so many components to it that are assisted once visitors start coming in in droves. And we might add, And we might add, and I'm sure you've seen this already today, where you are at the Inbal Hotel, unless things have drastically changed in the last 24 hours, non-Jewish groups are coming to Jerusalem and are coming to Israel in some really nice numbers. And unfortunately, as we mentioned yesterday on the air, sometimes we hear of Jewish groups that are either canceling their trips or, you know, unfortunately, because of a lack of numbers, have no choice but to do so.
7: And and look, I understand why people can be concerned, but... It's not justified by the situation on the ground, I think uh, you know that you're tested when times are tough it's, it's very easy to go when everything is fine, and the weather here is going to be gorgeous, it's gonna be seventy degrees this week, it's better than miami it's better than any other the place they can go to. There's so much to do, so much to see, so many new things, and so much going on here that for people to to shy away and now the I know the air rates are cheaper, hotels are cheaper. Uh, It's an opportunity to have a great time and and do so much good when you walk into stores and you see that some of them have the businesses down 50%. So it's really imperative that people think about it. Come even just for a few days and show your support.
6: All right, we have two minutes to go. The group this coming week, over the next few days, how will the conference group spend their time?
7: Okay, so now we're going to be augmented by another 70 people, so we'll be over 100, which is the largest group we've had. And we are going to start Sunday. We have many ministers of the government, uh, Shaked, Yalom, uh, the Leader of Opposition, Boji Herzog, Yair Lapid, um, and, of course, Prime Minister Netanyahu is going to be giving the opening dinner address and the President Rivlin later in the week. But we also have key experts, and we're going to be visiting the borders to see firsthand what is going on. We have uh, briefings by the top leaders of the IDF. We have uh, such a wide array of, of people because of the array of challenges from the BDS issues to Iran to um, dealing with anti-Semitism and its manifestations. These are all things that we're going to be dealing with in depth and we're going to be examining uh, with the people who can make a difference about them and in often cases having various points of view on the same panel to, to be able to discuss the issues and hear the counter prevailing arguments about particular policies or,
6: or directions. Sounds like an exciting week to say the least. All right, before I let you go, uh a comment about uh, what happened this week in New Hampshire as we see a uh a member of the Jewish faith take a um, a significant primary uh in the uh, 2016 election. What are your thoughts?
7: Look, I think as as I've said along, it's uh this is a whirlwind year. I think the only thing that's predictable is nothing has been predictable. And there will be a lot of change. I think we have to look at South Carolina. But again, to keep people focused also on the congressional races, the Senate races that are going to be happening this year, People, somebody asked me this morning, when, when are the next senatorial races? <laughs> I said it happens this year, and so congressional races. And Congress is, is very important to us, you know, who gets elected, who's there, in terms of uh, a formulation of policy and influencing it, as, of course, is who occupies the White House. But we're going to, so far the Jewish communities haven't figured in in large numbers either in New Hampshire or Iowa and not so much in South Carolina, but in other places they will. And uh, I think you will see more discussion of some of the foreign policy issues uh, that have been uh, lacking until now. And, uh, you know, we don't know what way it could go. Either one could run the table and end up being a candidate or lead to a brokered convention or to a split in the third party candidacy this year though that they haven't succeeded in the past is always the first time when they will.
6: Right. Well, but on the Bernie Sanders issue, the message of you can uh, you could be anything in this country seems to become more clearer this week.
7: Yeah, bathing beauty and and, and all of the other attributes that go to uh, presidential candidates these days. Uh, but I, I hope that we can really see the um, uh, focus not on beauty contests between candidates, but on substance and, and not on who can. Out and, uh, but really discussing issues, who, who is going to be able to give, uh, give leadership, which you see in this region how important it is. And they followed the election with great uh, closeness, certainly you saw in Israel. They, they know everything about it. They monitor it all, even if it means staying up at night to, in the middle of the night to watch the debates, yeah. perhaps more than many in our own country do. And, uh, and for them, what America does and who will lead America is seen as vital. It was true in Egypt. It was true in Turkey and they asked us extensive questions about it. It's really on people's mind. And I think it's a still a statement about the importance of the United States, what direction the United States will take, how what role they will play. Will there be more interventionists, more actively engaged? Uh there was criticism about the United States not taking on a role in Syria when they should have early on and that uh, having to expo- extracted a price on what they will do now. America is important, and American Jews are important. So the audience who's listening to you, Jews and non-Jews alike, have to be involved, have to make their voices heard. We have to speak up for Israel. We have the opportunities, and as we saw in this trip, that things that were not thinkable a year or two ago are now real prospects.
6: Malcolm, and Joy Shabbat in Yerushalayim. We'll reconvene. Please God next week. God be Malcolm Holline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update. I want to thank Benjamin Siegel who started off the program today. Until I got here from the airport, welcome uh, to all of you here at JMM, and thanks for all the enthusiastic reaction to the Jewish Unity Initiative and our week in the Holy Land. It was quite something. Rabbi Yudin is coming up. Shomrei Torah and Fairlawn presents the one and only Shlak Rock with Lenny Solomon. He's gonna be there. Shomray Dash Torah dot org slash lock for tickets for this coming Sunday at twelve noon. It's Shomray Dash Torah. Excuse me, it's not this Sunday. It's February the twenty first. February the twenty first at twelve noon. February the twenty first at twelve noon. Shomrei Dash Torah dot org slash lock for Lenny Solomon and Schlockrock. Again it's a week from Sunday on the twenty first of February. And I remind you that um uh, coming up on Sunday, Mattis is going to feature a brand-new edition of JM Sunday, beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on the stream at the jmtheam.org, and, and, of course, on the NSN app. That happens every Sunday with Mattis. And this Sunday, Aryeh Eisenberg, CEO and General Manager of BonimBiyaha.org. BonimBiyaha.org is going to join Mattis. He'll be on JM Sunday. This coming Sunday, make sure to be tuned in to all of our great programming. And, of course, uh, as you heard earlier, Naomi Nachman is going to be uh, uh, doing an amazing supersized table for two. That is coming up next, right after JM in the AM. Uh, she is going to uh, be uh, presenting her show from Machane Yehuda, a supersized edition from Machane Yehuda with tour guide Joel Haber, and then our Arab Shabbos music mix brought to you. By Kedem. This time, each and every Friday, every hour of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin.
4: Good morning, Nachum. Good hour of Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow, we have the privilege of reading Parashas Truma. With Parashas Truma, we begin the last third of the book of Shmos, whereby we have Parshios Truma Titzaveh, part of Kisisa, and again Vayakil Pekudeh, four and part of a fifth parsha that deal with the construction of the sanctuary of the Mishkan that the Jewish people were to make in the desert, and we understand that given that it's not an extra word in the Torah, when you look and you realize how much space and detail is given to the construction of the Mishkan, it must humble us, and it must remind us that we are dealing with such deep concepts, because after all is said and done. The wise King Solomon, when he dedicated the the first Base Hamigdash. So what does he say? Unbelievable! Hein uShmei Hashamayim. lo The heavens and the heavens, heavens cannot contain you, God. And here we are going to contain you within a physical structure called a house, a home for God. The whole concept is one which is so challenging and we approach these parshios with a great deal of humility and a great deal of on the other hand pride realizing that Hashem has chosen us and afforded us the opportunity for him to dwell in our midst according to the chinuch. There are three mitzvos in Parashas Truma. They are two positive and one restriction. The positive mitzvah, the first one, is the mitzvah of binyan base habehira, to build a home for God. Now. I would like to share with you a rather simple thought, but I believe that it has a very deep meaning for all of us. The pasuk says, "Va'asuli mikdash, make for me a sanctuary, v'shochanti and I will dwell therein." Perhaps it should have said make for me a bias make for me a home and then my dwelling therein will give this home a status of a sanctuary mikdash from the word kadosh holy that's not what it says for Usuli mikdash literally means that first There has to be the sanctification by man. And only after man sanctifies, only after man brings the Kedusha, then and only then does Hashem move in. I'd like to present this from several angles. The first one is a fascinating Gemara, in Yuma Daftes Amidbeis 9b, whereby Reish Lakish teaches on a Pasuk in the last chapter of Shirashiran Song of Songs, in chapter 8, verse 9, and the Pasuk in Shira Shirin has, according to Reish Lakish much deeper meaning and significant implications for the second on migdosh and indeed what a powerful lesson for all of history. And that is as follows. The Pasak reads Im Nivne oleha Tiras Kesef literally, if she be a wall, Choma is a wall let us build on her a silver crown. However, the Pasuk continues that unfortunately in he Lussur Aleho Luach Eres. If she be a door, let us enclose her with cedar panel. Vishlakish understands the pasuk to mean the following, that how would the Jewish people come back to Eretz Yisrael after the 70 years of the Babylonian exile? Ezra said, Kindelach, we have a chance to go back and to rebuild the second base Amigdash. Sad to say, In the book of Ezra, we learn that only 42,300, and I believe 60, the exact number, came back. And the rest, literally, many, many, many times, that number said thanks, but no thanks. We want to stay where we are. And as a result... Reish Lakish understood this Pasuk to mean. Im chomah what does it mean? That if it's a wall, im asisim atsmachem kechomah. Had you, the Jewish people, made yourself like a wall and you would have come back in the days of Ezra strong, then what would have been Nimshaltim kakesef? You would have been compared to silver and the building of your second base would have been like silver which does not rot. She'en rekev sholet bo. It's not subject to decay. However, now in now alisem now that you came like doors meaning partially one door open one door closed now that you came dalas dalas means like a doll, like a poor person now that you came only a small percentage of the people ouch not then listen carefully you are like the Erez. and even though the cedar is a strong wood, but it is like wood, Nialtem kes you 're like wood, Sharekev Sholepo, which is subject to decay, and so Reshlukish is saying that the second base Amigdus was subject to doom, it was subject to be destroyed before it was built. Why? because not enough. ...of the Jewish people came home. What a powerful idea. That where does the Kedushah of the Beis Amigdash start? The kedusha of the Beis Amigdash starts with... ...Berov Am Hadras Melech. Literally, with the numbers of the Jewish people... ...with the support of the Jewish people... ...and that great number of the Jewish people... ...this is what gives Hadras Melech... ...this is what gives honor to the king... And when you don't have those numbers, unfortunately, you have the opposite in terms of the proper respect for the king. Moving on, where does the sanctity of the Beis Hamnigdash come from? The answer is, let's take a look, even though the Talmud tells us that Petzalel, who's identified for us in Parshas Kisisa, and the Talmud says regarding him that he knew how to literally construct the sanctuary because he was able to combine together all of the secrets of the tziruf of the osios of Shemayim v'ores the same way, Kavayochal, that God formed Bidvar Hashem Shemayim Nasu with the literal speech of God did the heavens and the world come into being and Bitzalel had an understanding of this and he was able to use this prophecy in form of helping to build the of Mikdash and all its Kalim, and that should have been enough to give the sanctity, the Kedusha, to the Mikdash and its Kalim and its vessels. Yet we find in Parshas Kisisa that it was only after Moshe anoints the sanctuary. And the vessels, with Shem and Mishras Kodesh, with that special oil, only then, when man anoints, only then does the sanctuary become a holy sanctuary. And again, this concept is found as well. That in Parsha Shmini, what do we find? Vahibayomah Shmini, Hashem literally sends the fire down from heaven, licks up the korbanos. The entire nation see this, just as they saw at Sinai. They saw the kolos. They knew that they were experiencing revelation. They saw the fire come down from heaven. But what was the prerequisite for this? This was on the eighth day. This follows, as Rashi tells us at the very beginning of Parsha Shemini, it follows the seven days of Miluim. The seven days that man, that Aaron and his sons are doing due diligence, they're training and they're working and they're preparing in the Beis Migdash for the service of the Beis Hamikdash. It is man that ultimately presents the foundation for the Beis Hamigdosh. And so, what do we find further in the Gemara Brachos? The Gemara in Brachos, Vavamid Beis, talks about the significance of being Mesameach Chosamvatala, one who literally goes to a wedding and dances and puts on a beautiful face and countenance and tells the young couple how happy they are for them, giving them that incredible boost and giving them that encouragement that they'll be able successfully to build their special home together. So what is the reward that one gets for this? So says the Gemara, Rav Nachum Bar Yitzchak teaches, Ki achas mechurvos Yerushalayim. The reward is, it is as if that individual built up one of the ruins of Yerushalayim in order for the Beis Hamikdash to be rebuilt, in order for Yerushalayim to be rebuilt. What do we need? We need Jewish homes. It starts from the bottom up. It starts from the Shokanti Bisokham with the Shina in the home, where there is a sense of respect between husband and wife, where there is Sneas in the home, where there is the beautiful way that parents talk to children and the reverence that children have for parents. This is the way we build Khurvos Yerushalayim and this is the prerequisite for our building of, please God, the Shachanti B'Solcham which will yield to the <laughs> to reside within the B'Shamidah. And so we find ourselves in a very special place today. We find ourselves, as the Chinuch writes, at the end of Mitzvah 95, as his style is, tells you regarding each Mitzvah. When does this Mitzvah apply? No Mitzvah zu, the Mitzvah of building, the Beis Hamikdash applies, Bisman Sherov Yisrael al Admasan, at a time when the majority of the Jewish people are on its land. There it is. First and foremost, for Asuli Mikdash is a call. That Amir Tzashem, we put things in the right perspective and we recognize and we realize that there is really only one place that is home for the Jew. And that's the place where the third Besan Mikdash is going to be built. And that's the place that's waiting for us to help contribute. But until we get there, and our children get there in Mirza Hashem, there is that strong responsibility that the Kedusha of the Mikdash begins with the Kedusha of man. And may we, please God, rise to the occasion that in our merit, Hashem will choose to actualize this positive mitzvah that we are partners with Him. The usuli Mikdash Shabbat Shalom
6: to all. J.M. and the A.M., my thanks, Rabbi Yudin. Today, the uh, Torah portion discussion, Rabbi Yudin, L'Ilu Nishmas, Esther Bashab Yosef Halevi, my darling mother. And tonight is the yard site of uh, my brother, Harav uh, Moshe Yona ben Hrab Zev Halevi, the fifth yard site of my brother, who died on the fourth of uh, Adar Aleph. And I utilize the occasion of his yard site each year to remind those, especially those who are suffering from uh, heartburn or other heartburn-related issues, to go and get tested. Get an endoscopy. That's what it's called. It's a relatively simple test and often done when other tests are being done as well. Um My brother died of esophageal cancer. And... um Uh, Very often heartburn that leads to Barrett's, that leads to the terrible cancer, is the cause of all of it. We've heard from people over the years who've heeded my advice, they've gotten checked, and they've been caught really, really early. And his situation was caught really, really late. So please, if this announcement helps to honor his memory and maybe save a life, boy, was it worth it. Tonight is his yard site. And again, I thank Arayudin as we've dedicated... The words of Torah this morning, both to my mother, Esther Basar Biosu Halevi, and to my brother, whose yard site is tonight, Moshe Harav Moshe Yonah, Ben Harav Zev Halevi. JM in the AM on this uh, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos broadcast. Matis has a JM Sunday coming up. Uh, This coming Sunday, he will interview Aryeh Eisenberg, the CEO and General Manager of uh, BunimBiyacha.org. He'll have that. Uh, JM Sunday begins at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on the stream. Jmam.org. All of our amazing programming continues right after JM and the AM. Naomi Nachman with a with a really super sized edition of Table for Two from Machne Yehuda. The show she did from Machine Yehuda with tour guide Joel Haybert That's going to be happening with Naomi Nachman happening at uh, 10 o'clock. Excuse me, at 9 a.m. right after JM and the AM. And of course, our Arab Shabbos music mix brought to you by Kedem. That's all going to be happening. Uh, get ready, everybody, for an amazing Friday. An amazing Saturday night, including Saturday Night Seagull with uh, Avrami. And an amazing Sunday on our stream here at jmam.org and on the NSN app. Stephanie Shapiro is with us live via telephone. There is an event going on this Sunday uh, that's being sponsored by a lot of great organizations. Uh, The um, organizations include Jewish Family Service, uh, Yachad, Kaplan, JCC on the Palisades, the Sinai Schools, Uh, J.A.D., the Jewish Federation of Northern New Jersey, JFS New Jersey, JFS Bergen and North Hudson, and our friends at OHEL are the ones who made us aware of this program. Our friends at OHEL made us aware that the bigger picture, Northern New Jersey's second annual Jewish Disability Awareness and Inclusion Conference, is happening this coming Sunday, February the 14th, at the Kaplan JCC on the Palisades, starting at 8.30 in the morning until 4.30 p.m. And as we said... Stephanie Shapiro is a coordinator at JAD that has put this uh, event together. Stephanie, welcome to JM and the AM. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, tell us about the event. Uh, what's happening Sunday, and who is it for?
5: So the the event the the conference is geared towards families that currently care for uh, individuals or people in their family with special needs, and that means intellectual, developmental. Disabilities and also any kind of special needs. And when I say families, I also mean, um, and it could include siblings, parents, grandparents. And um, the past few years, Jayette, along with the other agencies that you had mentioned, tried to put together all of these resources and collaborate experts to offer resources to the families, to, to help them understand their paths and um, to navigate them and walk them through all these different services. That they may already have, or maybe in the future they're going to have. Right. So this year we have, a, we have a wonderful workshops available, including support groups, and we're going to have financial planners, advocates, attorneys, social workers, and support coordination agencies there at the conference, including the Assistant Commissioner for DHS, uh, Elizabeth Shea, who is a wonderful person and, and very knowledgeable in navigating DDD services. And all these people will, will have their workshops and make, it, make themselves available to speak with families, to guide them, to navigate them, answer questions, and to teach them all about these resources that maybe they're dealing with now or they will deal with in the future.
6: It is unbelievable how many people in our community are now taking advantage of these types of workshops, these types of conferences at this point, right?
5: Yes. Last year we had over 200 families attend. So I think the mm. word is out and hopefully people really got what we wanted them to get for it. And this year we, we changed the workshops around a little bit, obviously not to duplicate. So we have wonderful topics this year. We have Medicaid and SSI and how to keep those benefits. We have adult sibling support groups. We have financial planning. Um, we have someone speaking on the ABLE Act and, and how that differs from special needs trust. And then we also have attorneys coming to speak on the different types of special needs trust and what, what each one can offer i kind of you. We also have a financial planner who's going to talk about um, the knows and the know-hows of financial planning and investment. How not to be taken advantage of. How uh, what to look for when you're when you're planning on making an investment. Um, and then we also have support groups for siblings um, because you know siblings also take the role as the caretaker. So hopefully we're going to have you know some wonderful opportunities, educational, informative. And one of our keynote speakers is Rachel Simon, who is the author, I believe, of six books, two of them about her sister who has a disability, and she's very motivational and wonderful. Her experiences are great, and and she's willing to come and share them. So we'll have a signing and a discussion by her as well.
6: It's called The Bigger Picture, Northern New Jersey's second annual Jewish Disability Awareness and Inclusion Conference this Sunday at the Kaplan JCC on the Palisades, beginning at 8.30 in the morning until 4.30. The featured workshops you heard, an amazing list of those. Welcoming remarks by Elizabeth Shea, Assistant Commissioner of DHS. There'll be a resource and vendor fair, a light breakfast and lunch, a special signing of those books by Rachel Simon, and a lot of great organizations sponsoring. Oh, hell, brought it to our attention, but as we mentioned earlier, an entire list of great organizations that are sponsoring the event, and that are encouraging people in these types of situations to be there on Sunday and to learn as much as possible. Uh, Stephanie Shapiro is the JAD coordinator. That's the organization that's put together this Sunday's event. How do people get information? What's the best thing for them to do at this point?
5: Um, I would say email me, and I can give you my email address, but you're more than welcome to sign up. Pre-registration is not required. We welcome you to come in. get in off the, out of the cold. <laughs> like, like you mentioned, 8.30 a.m. sign in. So come in and if you want, I can give you an email. Yeah, go right it's ahead, please. Reason. It's shapiro at j org. So it's S-H-A-P-I-R-O.
6: All right, shapiro at j org. Mm-hmm. Stephanie, good luck on Sunday. I have a feeling this Thanks program is much. going to bring a lot of very important information to a lot of people.
5: Thank you. I really appreciate
6: it. More coming up. It's J.M. in the A.M. We are back from our Jewish Unity Initiative and our incredible journey to Israel. I want to thank everybody for the great response. Don't forget to check out our social media, including on Facebook, our Facebook update page, Nahum Siegel Network, which includes a lot of pictures and videos from what we did this week. And I thank Malcolm Homeline, who was patient enough and joined us finally for the weekly update, When I should say when I finally got here uh, this morning. And a big thank you to Benjamin Siegel for taking over the first part of the show, and a big thank you to Yosef Siegel who uh, facilitated my arrival from the airport to here as soon as possible. So a big thank you to the Siegel family who had a major, major role in getting all this done and getting our segments on this morning. It is greatly, greatly appreciated. J.M. in the A.M. with Shirley Williger. <laughs>
1: I'm <laughs>
3: going
1: Kavavaki, mi veseyem lai
3: I am a
1: I am I
3: Every human is equal to glory. Every human is
1: Amén
6: Shirley Williger with Mimcomcha. Reminder that Naomi Nachman not only is coming up uh, in audio form. From Machane Yehuda in Israel, next at jamnam.org But if you watch nachlomsegal.com, you'll see the video of that show as well, which is pretty amazing. Time to say good Shabbos. We've got candle lighting at, uh, we've got candle lighting at 5.06 p.m. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys of Jaminam. Through the trees. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard and listen to sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, JMNAM.org. Special shout out to all those who helped us with our journey to Israel, our headquarters in Jerusalem, the Inbal Hotel. Yossi Devora and their staff at Traveler's Choice at 212-868-8698. Our friends at TravelCell and TravelCell.com for keeping us connected to the United States. Mayor Kruder of Cruder Photography, who's along for the journey and really got some amazing uh, photos. And of course, Mr. A. Banda and everybody at Pomegranate for understanding the mission of the Jewish Unity Initiative and encouraging us to head to Israel for this important and incredible week. Thank you so much for all the reaction, everybody. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend. Monday we are back. It's a legal holiday. We are here between 6 and 9 a.m. Matis on Sunday, of course, and plenty of programming all through the week. All through the weekend, I should say. And Naomi Nachman next with Table for Two from Machane Yehuda, Israel. Have a wonderful Shabbos. A great weekend. Till next time, Nachum Sigal reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.